I'm a John, I'm an alcoholic. Um, it's always an honor to speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, boy, you're a beautiful bunch. Uh, thank you for asking me to come here the other night uh, to come to this meeting. And I said, no, I'm not coming to this meeting. Um, and she said, we got a really good speaker, this guy, Jim H. I'm like, Jim Holder? I'm like, that's my sponsor. I've heard that guy speak a million times. And, uh, you know, like two days later, I get a message. Uh, my sponsor says, hey, you're going to be the speaker <laughs> warming up for me. And, uh, you know, it was like, okay, God, I understand. Um, because I don't know what's good for me, you know, because my head wants to take me to a drink. And um, at six and a half years of sobriety, that's still that way to this day. I've got a sobriety date, it's June 5th, 2016. And on June 4th, I was on a plane and I landed in LAX and I was taken to Encino Medical Center and I was checked into a Serenity Detox Hospital um, in Encino Medical Center. And um, I came to on the 5th of uh, June and they said, Mr. Cahill, and nobody called me Mr. Cahill. And they said, do you want to go to a meeting? And I said, no, I don't want to go to a meeting. And they said, um, it's in the ice cream room. And if you go, we will give you a pack of cigarettes. And I said, where are my clothes? And um, they disconnected me from the EKG machine and gave me a, a robe. And I waddled down to the ice cream room and grabbed an ice cream and uh, saw my first H&I panel. And, um, you know, I didn't stand up and identify, to, to welcome to the newcomers, the three people that I identified. Um, I, I never stood up and identified as a newcomer in, in an AA meeting, because I was afraid. I was just frightened of you people. I was afraid that you'd be able to see that I was, you know, that I was terrified. Um, that I was terrified that you'd see through all of this bravado and all of this ego and see exactly who I was. And, uh, and that was too terrifying. And, uh, you know, I like to drink. <laughs> I really like to drink. And, uh, you know, I didn't feel uncomfortable, you know, growing up. Um, you know, I was captain of the lacrosse team. I played, you know, all the sports. I was good with the the, the jocks and I was good with the brains and I was, you know, very popular in school. And, uh, but I just liked the effects produced by alcohol and everything else, whatever I get my hands on. And I try to get my hands on everything. I grew up just outside of New York city in a very affluent area. Um, and uh, I could get my hands on everything. It would just take a train ride into the city. And I like to go into dangerous areas. I like the adrenaline rush of being in, uh, in bars in New York City as a, teen, as a young teenager at 14, 15 years old in 1979, 1980. You could pretty much get away with anything, especially if you walked in acting like you own the place. And, uh, you know, I was, I was uh, you know, I was self-will run right. And uh, I, was, uh, I was out of control at a very young age when my, my you know, I was, I was very, you know, I, I was the first boy in the family and the, the Italian side, I was the first male and they went bananas over me. I was the second coming as far as they were concerned and the same thing on the Irish side. 
Uh, my grandfather's postmaster general of Newark, and uh, his his cousin was the governor of New Jersey, and I was going to be senator. You know, it was all this all this stuff. You know, and all I wanted to do was drink. And uh, you know, I institutionalized myself and joined the United States Navy, and that was perfect for me because they put me in dangerous situations, and they would also let me. They would also let me drink when I got in the port. And of course, I didn't have a problem because I just spent 90 days in, in Bosnia and I didn't drink at all. And uh, so, of course, I don't have a problem. I came home and uh, I had some kids and uh, my wife uh, felt, she said, who are you and what are you doing in my house? And I, I understood. And she said, um, you know, I, I, this isn't working out. And now I had a big excuse. I had a big excuse to keep on drinking. I didn't have anybody to go home to, so I went to the bars. And um, I was a social drinker, and uh, I didn't keep any booze in my house. I know there was a bottle of limoncello that broke the record and lasted for a long time. And towards the end, I lived in Naples, Florida. I worked at the Ritz-Carlton, and uh, I was a sommelier. And if you know what a sommelier was, it's a professional alcoholic. I opened wine uh, and I got paid a lot of money um, to taste wine and drink wine. But if you saw me and you walked up to me, I smelled of, of cinnamon um, and uh, you were like, ooh, what's that? And I would show you cinnamon Altoids. But if you went to my white wine room, you would see that I was drinking a bottle of Fireball. And I would go through a bottle of Fireball just about every night. And uh, before I went out and drank like I wanted to, which was tequila and, uh, you know, silver tequila. And I would get there to the bar and Timmy knew exactly where I'd like it. And I would drink copious amounts of tequila and sip on a beer and other substances that would just be able to keep it going. And at the end, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to the North Naples Country Club. I would go home and I would wait and I'd see the clock and the clock was tipping down, ticking down. And I knew last call was coming up. And it was like, I would just do everything, try to stay home because I, I ended up going to the hospitals with pancreatitis and they were giving me these pain pills. Now I'm hooked on pain pills and I'm trying to manage and I'm trying to quit and I can't. And, you know, it's like 1.30 and I was like, that's it. I get up and I bolt and I'm going. And I'm like, Timmy, pack me a box to go. And he packed me a box with bottles of booze and I, you know, so I could go. And of course, I was a social drinker, so I'd have to bring everyone back to my house. So eventually, you know, I, I gave up and I said, you know what, I need some help because I was looking at my beautiful neighbor's house and I was figuring out how am I going to light this guy's house on fire? How am I going to kick down the door, save him and his wife, and then go back in, save his iris setters, and then die in the fire? Because I was totally convinced that I need to die a hero. And they needed to name the damn street after me. So they were going to name that street after me. They were going to have a friggin' a festival. And they were going to honor my daughters because I was going to die a hero. And I just wanted to make sure that nothing was going to happen so that they would figure out that I started the fire. And that was when, you know, I was like, this is crazy. This is insane. And the insanity of it, I need help. And, um, you know... They sent me to this place out in Hemet, California, and they, it was supposed to specialize with veterans. And um, I think there was a hundred and something clients out there, and there was two veterans. 
And uh, so there was one of these places that just wanted your insurance money. And they said, hey, would you like to go to an IOP in San Clemente, California on the beach? And I'm like, yes, yes, the beach sounds good. I need a break. I need a beach. Beach sounds great. And they sent me out to this place called Pacific Palms Recovery. And they showed me in this house with 17 other young men. And the average age was about 22 years old. And I'm 50 years old. And I found myself with these guys and they're all opiate addicts and they're dying in the house. And it broke my heart. And I found myself that, boom, I can wake up in the morning and uh, they're like, Mr. Cahill, do you want to go to a meeting with us? These young guys are like, because I couldn't sleep. And they took me to this place called the Hardcore Harbor. And uh, it's an AA meeting. I'm like, yeah, well, I'll, I'll come down and help you set up things. And I sat at this AA meeting, even though I, I wasn't planning on getting sober because I had to go back to my job selling alcohol. Um, I just wanted to get the other stuff out of the way. And we went and down there, two guys almost got in a fist fight over, over, oops, man, that's quick. It's running out quick. So I sat there and you people were interesting at the Hardcore Harbor. You were funny. You had stories. You were crazy. And I kept on coming back. And finally they said, get, get, uh, get a sponsor, do the steps. I said, it ain't going to work for me. But this is funny. I'm here for six, seven months. I'm going to do the steps. They're not going to work for me. I'm going to go back to Florida and I'm going to blow up this whole thing. And I'm going to figure out how to light my neighbor's house on fire and die with some black hero and be buried with 21 guns salute. And it's not going to work for me. Right around step six, my whole, everything changed. I had a spiritual experience and I realized that Jim's about to talk about grace. I still don't understand when grace came into my life. But I wouldn't be walking up here before you if I hadn't found some grace and a God of my understanding. And just stick around if you're new. It's an amazing experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. If nobody's told you they love you today, I love you. I love you if I, if I don't. I love you. Thank you for letting me share.